And we are back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, and this is my podcast, which as of right now is titled The Art of Health, and we are probably going to be retitling that to something that is both broader and less specific. But the podcast has returned. I have made my return. How are we doing, everybody? So this is the first podcast of 2018. I know it has been a while since I've done one of these. The topic of this podcast is not health or fitness. We're going to talk about a subject of which I have been diving into more and more as of late and developing more and more, and that is the subject of masculinity, specifically defining what you could deem is mature masculinity or what I call eternal masculinity, as mature masculinity sounds a bit too uh, pop psychology for me. What is eternal masculinity? Why are we talking about masculinity? I'm talking about masculinity because it has seemed to me, and it has come more and more into my sphere of attention, that men today, both young men and old men, they are so sorely lacking a model of how to be a man. They're lacking a model of how to be masculine. And I say that, as I often say, not superficially. I'm not referring to being a man as chest-beating. I'm not referring to being a man as the status in social bravado and look at how many women I sleep with and I like gold and girls and guns and I am tough. I'm not referring to that kind of masculinity. That is an aspect of masculinity. Masculinity does have an external aspect to it that is chaotic, let us say, and showy at times and crude, perhaps, but that is not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the masculinity that shapes the male psyche, where if I sit you down, I look you in the eyes, and I ask you, are you a man? Tell me what makes you a man. Tell me how to model yourself as, as a man. Tell me how you would teach your son to be a man. Tell me if, if you were to save the world, what qualities would you embody in doing so? That's the kind of masculinity I'm referring to. It is an internal masculinity that is biologically and metaphysically grounded in the mind and the matter of mankind itself, and that kind of masculinity does not change. It is eternal for a reason, because the qualities of it are everlasting. They are in alignment with the universe, and this is going to be a metaphysical discussion, if you cannot already tell. If you define the universe as it is, and I'm going to, the universe is predicated upon polarities. If you want to make matter out of energy, you have to create space between things. We can very roughly conceptualize nothingness. We can't really conceptualize nothingness. We can only think of nothingness in the absence of something. We can't think of nothingness in the you know, evidence of absence of everything. We can't think that way. It is beyond our conscious capacity. We are not gods. We are not God. Human beings are very, very limited in our ability to perceive. But if I ask you to think of creating something, and I ask you to create form out of something, you can start with some form of matter, and then you have to give shape to that. The way that energy works, the way that thermodynamics work, the way that anything works, the way that gravity works, the way that antimatter works, all things have a polarity to them. They are in two pieces. They are reflections and inverses and reverses of each other. So you have masculinity, you have masculinity, you have femininity. Those two things always exist because negative and positive always exist, because nothing and something always exists, because life and death always exist. There is always a complementary duality to everything. There is nothing in the universe that exists 
in the singular. There is not. There is not. So we have masculinity and we have femininity. And as I said, the characteristics of either of those, they don't change. You can find them proven out in everything around you, everything that has ever come to be. You can find them all the time because they're always there, because they underline the very fabric of reality. And if you're you know, questioning, do you really believe what you're saying? Absolutely I do. And it has given me great advantage in getting along and having a good relationship with reality. Um, one that is to my benefit and not to my detriment. And if you ever, I would say, if you're listening right now, obviously, and you ever study religion, in quotes, in depth, and you study, let us say, anything that's a sacred text, it gets very, very metaphysical, and it gets very, very heavy into what is the nature of being, and what is the nature of things, and what is a proper relationship with reality, and a proper relationship with your fellow men, and a proper relationship with your fellow woman, and how should you regard your experiences, and how should you regard anger, and grief, and emotion, and rage, and love, and hate? How do you regard these things? There's a polarity to them. There's a contrast. There's a balancing. Again, that concept of duality it never goes away. It, is, it runs through everything that you do. Everything. So, so, we're talking about masculinity. And, you know, in a way, by defining masculinity, we're also defi- defining femininity. You know, and to note and to be prescient of, we live in a modern era where defining masculinity is oftentimes interpreted as a as a misogynistic jab and a statement of what femininity is or cannot be, that's not what we're talking about. In defining what masculinity is, you are not necessarily saying what femininity is not. Not necessarily. Maybe, maybe you are, but not necessarily. Defining masculinity is not automatically make femininity lesser any more than if I just described to you what I think makes a woman. I would, that would not be to the detriment of what makes a man. Again, these two things, they complement each other. They're supposed to be in concordance. There's not, so they're not supposed to be in conflict. It is not ideal, it is not good that they are in conflict with one another. So, masculinity. What does it mean to be a man? What does that mean? I characterize this four ways, and I'm going to reference uh, a very good book, and I'm going to reference archetypes. The book itself, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Rediscovering the Archetypes of the Mature Masculine, by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. So, I'm going to be I'm only referencing that book and I'm going to go beyond the book since I my background so to speak is obviously self-studied but my background is let's say psychological Jungian and mythological especially mythological I am very much a Joseph Campbell fan and a fan of myths in general both western and eastern so I have a good survey of this stuff to say it mildly so masculinity what characterizes masculinity 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 is characterized by four things okay four and these are not the only four these are not four singular in in that they exist only by themselves these are four and they form essentially an umbrella of archetypes of what I, you might call structural archetypes that make up the foundation of what a man is so you have king you have warrior you have magician you have lover what does that mean the first quality king leadership Leadership. Men lead. Men have to lead themselves. If I was to back this up even further and say, you know, what are the two essential qualities of life that characterize being a man? A man has to do two things. He has to be able to protect himself, and he has to be able to provide for himself. A man that cannot protect himself will die. A man that cannot provide himself will die. A man that cannot protect himself cannot protect others. He's not useful. 
A man that provides for himself but does not provide for others, he is selfish. A man that refuses to do both, he ceases to exist very, very, very quickly. In a primal situation among human beings as a mammalian species, men have to do two things. Masculine, male animals have to do two things. They have to protect themselves. They have to provide them for themselves. That is biologically incontrovertible. Now, you could argue that there are you know, male animals, a lion, for example. Well, he doesn't hunt. He has his, you know, his pride to do the hunting. He is still capable of hunting if he needs to hunt. So you know, let us not be pedantic and start picking out you know, what we think are behavioral exceptions. If you're a masculine animal, if you're a male animal, if you're biologically male, if you are a man, you protect, you provide. That is what you do. There is no questioning of that. If you fail to do that, you have failed your identity and archetype and way of being as a man, and you have failed as a man, period. You are not useful, and you will cease to exist in a useful reality. You will live in some level of hell, and you see men like that all the time, especially you know, in modern times. We see men where they have outlived their usefulness, or they were never useful in the first place, or they have lost their sense of it, and they are in hell. They are deeply depressed, they are homeless, they are amiss, they are existing, but they are essentially in a state of death, a state of living death. So, men have to protect for themselves, and they have to provide for themselves. You might call those the mega qualities. Those are the two, I call those the two, you know, sort of fundamental biological first principles of masculinity. You protect, you provide. Now, if you layer on top of that, the archetypal qualities, what do you have? You have king quality, you have leadership. To protect yourself, you have to be able to lead yourself. You have to be aware, you have to be able to see, you have to be wise, you have to be cognizant. You have to have a sense for the future. To protect yourself, you have to be a warrior. You have to be strong. You have to be powerful. You have to be fast. You have to be capable. Men that are not strong and men that are weak, they're not useful men. If the world descends into primal hell tomorrow, the men that can't do push-ups and can't run a mile are going to be dead really, really, really fast, regardless of if they have access to ammo and guns. Maybe they'll live a while. But you don't want to get in the way of the man that's very good at running swiftly and can stab a sharp stick with a lot of force. You don't, you don't want to get in that guy's way. You want that guy in your team. So a man has to be able to lead himself. A man has to be able to fight for himself. A man has to be a warrior. A man has to be able to provide for himself. That means being a magician. What does a magician do? A magician creates something out of nothing. A magician uses magic to create the future. He uses magic. He draws from what is unseen in reality, what lies beneath the surface, and he creates things. Magic has existed since the dawn of time. Modern stocks and bonds are magic. It is value that somehow exists as a thing in the future. An investment is magic. You are counting on something to create. You are counting on something to be more prosperous in the future that is not prosperous right now. What a strange idea that we reliably invest and hedge our bets and our energies and hedge our futures on things that don't exist yet, and we consider that safe. We consider that reasonable. We are using magic. We are using Mathematical, logical magic, you can call it that. A man has to be a magician. So, man has to be a king, he has to be a warrior, he has to be a magician. That's to review. What comes next? The fourth one. A man has to be grateful, a man has to be a lover. Now, you could characterize these things on a sort of, let's say, higher consciousness level of, you know, you want to be a king, you want to lead yourself, you want to be a warrior, you want to be strong, you want to be a magician, you want to be smart, and you, know, you want to be profitable, you want to be a lover, you want to love women. Yes, we can characterize it those ways. You know, if I was speaking to a young man in front of me, those would be the questions I'm asking him. But if I'm speaking about these things on a deep subconscious level that constitute the psyche, 
Are you a person that leads yourself? Are you a man that leads yourself? Are you a man that believes in what you're doing? Are you a man that believes you can create things? Are you a man that is a lover who has gratitude for his life? Do you have that? If you have gratitude and you can give thanks and no appreciation to nothing, you cannot love anything. Least of all women. A woman. If you're a man where you don't believe in your ability to create, you'll believe in your intellect, you'll believe in your capacity to work, you're not going to provide for yourself. You're not going to be profitable, you could say it that way, to reference Ivan Throne. You're not going to be a man that is productive. If you're a man, as I said, that is weak, that is fragile, you're not going to be a warrior because you can't be. You lack the fundamental quality of masculinity. If you're a man that refuses to lead yourself, you shall be enslaved by someone else because that is how the world works. You are either leading or you are following. All of life is a hierarchy. So these eternal qualities of masculinity, king, warrior, magician, lover, if you have them and you are trying to live them to their full capacity and you are bringing them out of you, you are hopefully living your life as a relatively, let's say, not perfect, but complete man. You are following an ideal. That is what I mean when I speak of ideals. That's why I tell people I don't follow men, I follow ideals. I do follow ideals, and those are the ideals that I follow. Am I leading myself? Am I strong? Am I providing? Do I practice gratitude? I believe in doing those things, among other things, puts me in a proper alignment with God and puts me in a proper relationship with reality. Now, whether you believe in God or you believe in nothing, but that life exists right now and you will die and you will descend into dust, doesn't matter. The relationships and the values still hold. They always hold. And with these king, warrior, magician, lover archetypes, we can also dissect a man psychologically if we want to. I was saying this last night in a thread, but many men that are alive today, their problems are not man problems, they are boy problems. And the book itself actually goes into this in great detail. You have men who have never been taught to lead themselves. They don't know how, so they function as boys. They're aimless, they're angry, they're uncertain. You know, they're both tyrannical and weak. You know, and I'm referencing the book, and I'm also expanding on it. But they're essentially, they're, they're boys who don't know how to be their own king. You also have men who are physically weak, who have lack of sense of physicality. They don't know how to be a warrior. They don't know how to be strong. You know, they're the fragile, geeky guy at heart, and they have never gotten over that. You have men where they don't believe in their intellectual power. They don't believe in their ability. They don't believe in their capability. They're not magicians. You know, they're not even dark wizards. You could say that if you're using your... I guess your mental intellectual power for evil. They're men who simply are just bad students. They never learned magic. And then you have a whole generation of men, many men, they don't know how to be lovers. They are out of touch with gratitude. They're out of touch with their appreciation. They're not really sure what they're thankful for because they're not sure where their life is going. And subsequently, they have no ability to stabilize or develop a good relationship with the internal chaos, this feminine energy, because their own internal chaos is massive, and they can apply no order. They cannot stabilize anything. I've characterized these king, warrior, magician, lover archetypes a different way. I've called them a man of gravity, which is king, a man at arms, which is warrior, a man of the mind, which is magician, and a man at ease, which is lover. Now, what do I mean by those? Another way of saying the same thing. Wood is a man of gravity. Man of gravity is a man where he walks into a room and he creates the gravity within that room. You are drawn to him. Your eyes look upon him, and without 
knowing anything about him, you believe that that man is somebody that leads himself, that man has power, that man impresses you. You get the sense of presence from him. A man arms is a man that you look at, and you can tell physically he's dangerous. He's dangerous in the way that is both good and threatening and intimidating and impressive all at once. You know, he has a physique, he has a body, he carries himself in such a way with a certain level of aplomb and a sense of security that you wouldn't want to fuck with that guy. And when women see that kind of man, when, when women see an athlete that has physical power, they're drawn to it because that's attractive. That's a man that he's not afraid of chaos. He's not afraid of what comes, you know, that it is unknown. He can face it. He can handle it. Same thing for the man of the mind. You see a man, he has a very sense of, keen sense of eyesight. You look at him and he looks smart, let's say. He looks intelligent. He looks perceptive. You can tell that the wheels are turning. You can tell this man is seeing things that other people are not seeing. He's picking up on things other people are not picking up on. He is discerning, and he is learning, and he is observing, and that man is a magician. That man, you might speak to him and find out he's a powerful man, or he's a man that's industrious. He's a man that owns his own business. He's a man that he has the intellect to handle the world, that you have to be smart if you want to ascend the hierarchy. And then you have the man at ease, and this is really, I characterize a man at ease, this is very much in relation to femininity, you have a man that is relaxed around women. Why relaxed? Why a man at ease? Because women fucking hate nervous men. Women don't like nervous men. Women don't like geeky virgins. Women don't like creepy guys. Women like men who are at ease around them and who don't need them. Women are attracted to men who enjoy the company of women and not the you know, not I guess the supplication you might say of supplicating to a woman. That is the kind of man that women enjoy being around. Women enjoy a man who doesn't need to be around women, but wants to be, and is at ease being around them. And we know this. You know this. You know all these things because you have seen these archetypes play out your entire life in every form of media imaginable. If you see a James Bond movie and how cool he is, yeah, literally cool, chilly, icy, laid back, interested talking to a woman. If you've seen any movie with a hero, where what is a hero? You already know what a hero looks like. A hero's heroic. He's strong. He's powerful. He's fast. He's going to save the world. You know, what is a king? You have an image of these things. There is no language. There's no culture on earth that matters that doesn't have a word for king. There's no language, no culture on earth that matters that doesn't have a word for warrior. You know what all these things look like, and everyone across the world knows what all these things look like, and they can point to models of them and ideals of them because they are eternal. They don't change. They're everlasting. What made a man and a king in 20,000 BC is the same thing in 2018. What makes a man a warrior then is the same thing that makes a man a warrior now. A man that was a lover then is a man that is a lover now, perhaps under certain circumstances, but again, it doesn't change. The qualities always remain. So if you're seeking to make yourself into a better man, these are the things that you need to orient yourself towards. Am I leading? Am I strong? Am I maximizing my abilities? Am I handling my relationship with femininity? Femininity especially. Women are a mirror for men. They are a test of reality. They are the universe testing you to see the strength of your convictions and not, you know, it goes beyond your frame. You know, to reference the red pill, this goes beyond frame. It's not your frame they're testing. They're testing you. They're testing your reality. Do you pass those tests or do you fail? The Illimitable Man on Twitter had a very good characterization, which I'm going to quote. But he described femininity as being internally chaotic, and women are. Women are a swirl and a confluence of emotions which are all in battle with each other at once. But women favor external order. 
Where does the external order come from? It comes from men. Men are internally calm. A man can be calm in a chaotic situation. Men can be externally chaotic. Men can be wild. We can be brash. We can be bold. We can fly off the handle. But within ourselves, within our psyche, we are at ease. And that is what women are attracted to. Now, if you're not that way, well, then you're not that way, and you better get that way and find a way. You know, the, the issue, the fundamental issue to all these qualities is that they have to be lived out. And I, I'm very fond of saying that, and many of you that read you know, my work, you know that. You have to live it out. You have to become it by living it. You articulate, you define the ideal to yourself, you define it, you can write it out with words, and then you practice it. And in practicing it, so shall you become it. If you bring it out of yourself, it will create you. If you not bring it out of yourself, what you do not bring out shall destroy you in kind. You have to live it. There's not, there's not a series of steps on this. I could lay out steps perhaps on an individual basis, but there are no, there are no steps that are formulaic. These are things, that these are, these are virtues, these are characteristics, these are principles of being, ways of being, and you learn them by being them, and that is how you go about it. Yeah, and that's probably very uh, introverted and not going to be helpful for a lot of you. But I think that's, honest to God, the practical reality. The issue with trying to lay out these things in you know, practical you know, formulas is that, well, people can still screw it up. They can still feel like they're faking it. And at the end of the day, whether you practice this for a month, it doesn't really matter. Are you going to live it out the rest of your life? I am a very longevity-minded person, and I believe in living it out. So you've got to live it out, gentlemen. I suppose if you're a woman listening to this, hopefully this gave you some insight um, until the, into the male psyche, and perhaps you'll know what to do with it, and perhaps not. You know the uh, the defining of a woman's relationship with the masculine is a whole another subject unto itself. Um, you have to sort of define what female nature is to define its relationship to male nature, and that's a different subject other than the topic of this podcast. So where does that leave us at? So I've been talking nonstop, and I've been on a kick. Well, I would suggest to all of you, get the book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. You can pick up on Amazon. I believe it's 10 11 bucks. I'll probably send out a link in the email, which I attached to this podcast. You get the book, you read it, and then we can start figuring out ways to apply it. At some point in the future, not the near future, but in the future, within the next few years, I am going to release... What hopefully will be a pragmatic book of the becoming of a man, and I want to take these. I want to take these subjects out of the realm of the psychological, clinical, into the realm of the practical, since much of the work of mythology and Jung, and you know even works in masculinity, they're considered uh, consider their own classics. Let's say you know, Stoicism, you know, meditations, letters from a Stoic, uh, so on and so forth. There is a certain level of inaccessibility to them. Uh, not in the sense they need to be dumbed down per se, but we live in a world now where we are so much in conflict with our attention being drawn to so many different things, and life is both filled with shiny, pretty objects and somehow vastly vague. At the same time, everyone is trying to escape themselves. So there's a ne- there's a necessity for practicality, um, and I'll try to do my best to fill that. Hopefully, hopefully, the becoming of a man, I think, will be something along those lines. But get the book, read it, internalize it, start living it out, practice it, become it, and I will talk to you all again. Hope you guys are having a good year so far, and I'm looking forward to 2018. 
you know, if you're wondering if the next podcast is going to be about fitness, it's going to be about whatever I want to talk about. And as of right now, um, fitness is going to be not few and far between, but it's going to be, let's say, frequently infrequent. There are more pressing things that I think matter more to people than uh, sets and reps and weights and barbells, dumbbells, cables. So, until next time, people, adios, good night, and good luck.